Ready, uh, go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. show up i made mistakes and people were hurt i'm not here to talk about westview then what are you here for i need your help with what what do you know about the multiverse i'm sorry stephen you understand the greatest threat to our universe is you. Things just got out of hand. my fellow galactic travelers and welcome back to planet eight this is your mission commander larry speaking to you from our hidden base chief engineer bob is here by my side as always in the command center and circling planet eight in our orbital spy satellite is reconnaissance officer karen and on this episode of planet eight we're going to be taking a deep dive into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, straight away, we'll kick it over to Chief Engineer Bob. Bob, why don't you give us a little uh, something-something on the concept of a multiverse? Well, yeah, you know, I was kind of uh, looking at a couple things online, and I thought, man, this multiverse thing, you know, it obviously didn't start with the MCU, or with Marvel, or with comic books. I mean, this thing goes way back. So uh, I kind of sat during my lunch today and jotted down some notes on uh, just sort of the background of the multiverse. So uh, 
the multiverse is the idea that a group of multiple universes exists simultaneously and comprise everything that exists. The universes in the multiverse are call, also called parallel universes. Timelines are the same, but details can diverge. Uh, earliest examples of the concept go back to ancient Greece. Atomism proposed that uh, infinite parallel worlds were created by the collision of atoms. And then, you know, scientists kind of batted the ideas around over the decades. And in uh, 1952, Erwin Schrodinger gave a lecture describing different, uh, several different histories, not as alternatives, but as ones that happen simultaneously across a multiverse. The term was first used in science fiction in 1963 by Michael Moorcock in his novel, The Sundered Worlds. Now, DC latched onto it, or at least latched onto the concept, in All-Star Comics number three back in the 40s. Uh, that's when they created the Justice Society of America, which was made up of characters from DC, as well as other publications. This created the first sort of shared universe. So they were picking characters from different publishers and things that they had bought and put them all together under mm. the DC banner. But, uh, yeah, they, they came from, like I say, divergent universes. Uh, later, in 1953, Wonder Woman number 59... Wonder Woman is sent to a mirror universe where she meets Tara Taruna, who is a duplicate of herself. So that's sort of where they first kind of established that there were, at least in comics, that there were other universes and other versions of ourselves and mirrored societies that all existed at the same time. Uh, in The Flash, number 123, Flash of Two Worlds, Barry Allen is transported to an Earth where he meets the original Flash, Jay Garrick. It is also established then that multiverses, all of which vibrate at, a, at specific frequencies and can be trespassed upon by tuning into those vibrations. So that plays right into the Flash's wheelhouse since he can vibrate mm -hmm. at different rates and travel through the multiverses. Uh, it was expanded on in stories like Crisis on Earth and Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, Marvel joined the pack in 1971 when the multiverse and Earth 616 were created in the pages of Captain Britain. They actually had a story where he traveled through multiverses and every multiverse had a different Captain Britain. I guess at one point they became the Captain Britain corpse or something like that. So Marvel would go on to establish the multiverse in comics like the Exiles, X-Men, and Fantastic Four. The Marvel multiverse is supposedly protected and kept in balance by the Living Tribunal and was created by the Celestials, who played a big role in the Eternals movie. And then uh, each multiverse is also protected by a Sorcerer Supreme, which brings us back to the subject of this episode. Hmm. Interesting. I think, and, and I know the Avengers at some point, 
maybe it doesn't count as a multiverse, but um, they fought some counterparts to the Justice League that were called the the Squadron Supreme. Um, but that might have been, maybe it was after 71. I thought it was before, but there's also a Squadron Sinister, which is really confusing because they look exactly the same as the Squadron <laughs> Supreme. Uh, well, that's the thing with the whole multiverse concept and that, I mean, does that also take into a f- into account like other dimensions? Because, I mean, TV shows like Outer Limits and Twilight Zone and movies going back, all a lot of them dealt with like someone from another dimension or looking into another dimension. Mm-hmm. I assume that would be like a multiverse, right? Yeah, it's hard. Like the, the terms, you know, parallel worlds and dimensions, multiverse, timeline. I mean, I had questions about whether the timelines we saw in Loki, I mean, what, how different are those multiple timelines from the multiverses that we were hearing about in this film? You know, because you could see a path could diverge in a timeline. Right. Does that create it? It creates a new timeline, but is that like a new multiverse or? Is it a new universe within that? Yeah. I, you know, I, I rewatched that. There was chatter on, on the interwebs uh, to rewatch the last episode of Loki for all time always. And in a nutshell, uh, what they were saying is... Um, King basically tells him um, there was a multiversal war between his variants, and by using Aloth, he was able to destroy the alternate timelines and created the TVA to maintain the peace. So, are the variant it, what it sounds like the variants in the timelines are part of this multiversal universe um i need to write all this down because <laughs> i can't really comprehend you need a scorecard <laughs> well he brought it all together and had it basically organized under the tva until yeah until sylvie knocks him off well, and and that version of himself, and he was telling them, "Look, if you think killing me, you know, I'm the bad guy. Just wait till you see my alternate selves." <laughs> and when Sylvie throws Loki out of the Citadel, he doesn't land back in his universe or his timeline. He's in one of the alternate timelines, or maybe he was, and it started splintering um, because there's a huge statue of Kang in the library that wasn't there before. Hmm. So, and then, you know, it ends and, um, we end up getting into the spider or not spider verse, but, uh, well, but then again, the spider verse yeah. dealt with alternate realities in a multiverse with a robot spider with a little girl and a pig spider. And <laughs> well, I mean, even, you know, if you go back to Loki though, you know, Loki was killed by Thanos but then when they in Endgame, they went back in time and whatever to get all the stones. And Loki, who was 
the Infinity War, Infinity, oh no, it was, uh, yeah, Infinity War is Loki. He grabbed the stone and jumped into the time and portal. He, so he, suddenly he's alive again, but it's not him. It's another Loki. So he's basically from another multiverse. Right. And, and I was thinking about that, Bob, because did, did Loki ever die then? Well, yeah, Loki of... In one timeline, he died, yeah. but in another, yeah. he he didn't. Whereas Thanos died in both timelines. Well, then again, you know, Thanos died, but then they went back. That and was he time found, travel. And, and he found out, yeah, but again, it's kind of divergent. Because otherwise, it'd be like two Thanoses at some right. point. And, and he rewound Vision's death as well, because at first... He died by Thanos's hand, and then he died by. No, Wanda. Or, yeah, yeah, Wanda, Wanda did it first, and then. Right, and then he. So. Whew, and we're not even talking about Doctor Strange yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we have to have a little uh, background and a. Yeah, I, I, something I, uh, to base all this on. Try to untangle the many ribbons of the multiverse. It's so funny. I've I've said this before. My niece Jenny always asks, "Do you take notes when you watch these Star Wars and Marvel shows and movies?" I'm like, no, it's all right up here. And I'll tell you, after the Loki series and now Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness, along with the What If series, I I'm taking copious notes because I can't <laughs> keep it straight anymore. <laughs> Uh, still taking mental notes, but I don't know. You know, somebody asked me today if uh, if they had to watch all the Marvel movies to go see Doctor Strange, and I'm like, no. You know, I mean, it stands on its own for the most part. You know, there there are little details you can pick up by being familiar with the Marvel movies and TV shows and WandaVision and everything else, but if you just go in cold, I think it explains things well enough or fairly well. well. Her, her motivation is pretty basic oh, to yeah. understand. I mean, it's not hard to understand what she's trying to do. I mean, yeah, if you'd never seen a Marvel movie before, you'd probably be wondering about, you know, who are all these characters and what's going on? Oh, but who are these you know, kids? If you'd maybe, yeah, if you'd maybe seen some Avengers movies and stuff, it wouldn't seem that odd to you and, I guess what if you had never watched WandaVision, you'd be wondering, like, were these kids kidnapped or, you know, how do they how did they get separated from her and how, you know, all this? It's like I think they explained that well with the whole, you know, when you dream, you're looking into another universe. And then I love Wong's like that true about being chased by the giant clown. There's a version of me out there and <laughs> in the multiverse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And they do say that, you know, on a few occasions, they say, Wanda, you created these children. You yeah. made them, you know. So hopefully somebody who's just walking in will get the uh, the idea of like, oh, she didn't have these kids in a natural way. And I mean, the fact that she's a witch and doing all this other stuff. Yeah. Hopefully they'll understand that, oh, she created them in some magical way. I've yeah. always thought of these movies or even the comics, you know, did, did you need to read that book to understand this book? Well, no. Did you need to watch that show? It's like an ice cream sundae. You can have a scoop of vanilla and be absolutely 
fine. You put a scoop of chocolate or pistachio, whatever you like, you know, chocolate syrup, cherry, whipped cream. That's how these shows are. I mean, did, did you have to watch the last episode of WandaVision, Loki, and the Doctor Strange What If? No, but if you did, you, you get a little more of the inside jokes and the story and, you know, kind of where they were going, I think. Yeah, I think, you know, the one thing about the movie which kind of puzzled me was that uh, as she went to these alternate multiverses looking for the kids and all that, there was no vision in any of them. I know. that He did not exist in any of these universes. That, or if he did exist, he's been killed or whatever. But even in WandaVision, there was the white vision mm-hmm. that took off and is supposedly still alive and out there with Vision's programming inside of him. So why did he not appear in any of these other versions? I wrote down some questions I had. I Overall, I would say overall, I really liked this film much more than I thought I would. I wasn't a huge fan of the first Doctor Strange, uh, but I really liked it a lot. But I did have a few questions, and that was the top of my question list, was what? where was Vision? Are they trying to say that Vision was a unique being that only existed in the 616 universe? Or did they just not have money to pay Paul Bettany? <laughs> <laughs> that could have been it. I... Um... I had that question too, and I don't know. I, I, I loved WandaVision. At first, I, I was a little confused by the first couple of episodes, and then where they took Wanda and explained, you know, her safe place and her love of vision. Um, and I thought it was beautifully done with the with the white vision talking to the imaginary vision and the imaginary vision basically pouring Wanda's love and memories into the, because the white vision is the original vision that was destroyed in, in the Avengers movie, right? Just none of the memory, none of the feelings, none of, and so. Well, he he was, he was basically created right by the military. He he was put back together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, they took the, the body pieces. Yeah, right. There you go, Walker. Right. The pieces of, of the movie vision, the endgame vision, put him back together with none of his original programming or the stone, which, you know, probably gave him some of his personality and, and ability to feel and love and just set him out like a, a, a you know, war machine of a ro- killer robot, a Terminator. Mm-hmm. Um. So why didn't she seek him out? Why the kids? And why not just create a little thing where, you know, she has the kids. Why steal the kids and scare the living crap out of them in the process? Kill all those people. Go after. Go ahead, Walker. She she was under the influence of the Darkhold, which was created by Chathon, who was an elder Mm -hmm. demon, right? So, you know, it's like satanic possession. You know, Mm -hmm. she's, she's doing all these things. And there's still a little piece of her in there that's like, hey, I'm I'm being reasonable. Hand hand the girl over. I'm not, you know. And then she goes full on, you know, yeah. crazy attack mode. But 
yeah, she's I, she's corrupted, you know. And I guess that's one of the things about the film that was a negative for me too is the feeling that we're going back to this place where the you know we see this kind of cliche in comics. I don't know if have we really seen it in films per se, but in comics for sure, where the female character gets really powerful and she also goes completely nuts. Mm-hmm. You know, you saw Phoenix and, and Wanda it happened to invisible woman at one point, And it's just like, Oh my God, this is so tiresome. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of sad to see this character in the films who has gone through all this tragedy to go even worse, right? Like really full blown, completely irredeemable i guess i mean i don't know is there a redemption for wanda because i don't know that i believe she's dead you know she no, buried herself about, yeah. no i mean there was a big kind of flash of red which i figured was like her zapping out of there or something but um no i mean you know you think about her her background and just the pain of losing vision and uh you know, she goes after Thanos for revenge, and she also, in WandaVision, she goes back to uh, claim his body, which she finds out is all torn to bits. And uh, and then she created this world with Vision and the children, and then that basically, you know, disappears, and the kids go away, and she's goes through that loss as well. And yeah, and then just takes a little dark nudge to get her, get her going. And I, I get, you know, the, the, the possession thing, Walker, that's a good point. But it, to me, what they did is all the growth of the character, all of the, it's kind of like data all over again. And, you know, you just, <laughs> all that history, it's like, no, you know, I, I thought, and, and I'm not going to. Yeah, I, I I give the movie a solid C plus, B minus. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Multiverse of Madness. It was more like Sam Raimi's multiverse of horror, especially in the last act, which is fine. If you're a Sam Raimi fan, you're going to love this movie, especially, you know, the, the zombie and the possession and, and all the darkness and stuff. But, I, I mean... What if established this evil Doctor Strange and and in all the the banter and the 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 arguing between Tony Stark and and Stephen Strange, they're very similar. Well, they're and there's an arrogance. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Right. <clears throat> arrogance. Arrogance is the best word for it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And and um, in that, what if he could not give up the fact that he couldn't save or be with Christine and and he spent years becoming this monster that she could no longer love or identify with and then ultimately they use him in the you know Ultron finale and stuff like that I thought it would have been much more interesting to have multiple versions of Stephen Strange they talked about him on uh, what was it eight one eight whatever eight three eight whatever Earth they were with the Illuminati yeah uh, and and how he used the dark hold right and, and turned a corner he couldn't come back from um I, 
I think it would have been more interesting to have different or multiple versions of Doctor Strange. Well, um, we got but. three. I mean, I know it's, yeah. And I've heard other people complain that, oh, we didn't see enough really weird multiverses. You know, we didn't see enough strange things. But well, from what I, I, I heard, there's been, there was like 40, 45 minutes cut out of the film. So is who that knows right? what was in there? Yeah. Well, uh, I, I also much. heard that there was issues because of the timing with Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. And, you know, I think originally, I, I think Doctor Strange maybe was supposed to come out first and they had to redo some of the story. And mm-hmm. so there, and yeah, there's nothing in this film that really connects back with Spider-Man and what happened with him kind of opening up the the multiverse, which I thought we were going to deal with in this. I thought the repercussions yeah. of that would be felt. There's like one <laughs> reference to Spider-Man and that's, it's kind of offhand. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was a little unusual. Now I will say though, I, there are a lot of things about this film. I like, I would give it a B plus. Mm. And, and like I said, I was not a big Dr. Strange fan, but I feel like, I feel like this film really moves and I'm not a huge Sam Raimi fan either. Um, but it really moves. It's, I feel like it's really paced. Well, I was never bored during this movie. I feel like even though there's a lot of exposition, um, it comes across really naturally. And I like the story they tell for Dr. Strange, because like you said, he can be kind of an a-hole character, you know, because he is very arrogant, mm-hmm. but he he did have a, something to learn in this film, right? And so he's exposed to these other versions of himself that are not that different from who he is, you know, but he sees the extremes he could go to and he realizes, you know, he has to kind of learn to let go. He has to learn to trust others a little bit. He has to, you know, that whole thing about you always have to be holding the knife. He always has to be in charge. He has to be the guy, right? You know, so I liked the fact that they gave him that that little arc within the movie. And, uh, you know, you think back to where he was in like Infinity War and he basically tells Tony, hey, I'll sacrifice you and the kid, you know, to save the time stone. You know, he was very cold hearted and very, you know, very practical about everything. And in this one, he really kind of turns around and, and he, you know, he helps the kid, you know, he puts the kid's needs ahead of his own and maybe, you know, the universes. Well, I think, I think one thing that really, you know, a big turning point for him as well was when he saw the 4 million, whatever versions mm-hmm. of the ending of Endgame. Or, or basically seeing the versions of the end game, and there's only one way they could win. And then he realized the only way they could win was if Tony survived, because he was the key to defeat Thanos in the end. Mm-hmm. And so his suddenly his I'd sacrifice you both for the time stone. It's like, well, now I got to sacrifice the time stone for this guy. No, that's a good point. Yeah. And and he kind of references that at the beginning of the film where he says, hey, there, yeah, there was only one play I could make. Mm-hmm. 
I, uh, I I need to watch the movie again, so may, maybe my my grade will will climb or it might lower. I, I don't know, but um, I took it in that he did what he did to save the girl, more so to defeat defeat Wanda than to save the girl. It, it was almost like a byproduct to me saving the girl, you know. And there was that moment where you know she told him about her parents and. You know, her exploding the power and getting them sucked into whatever multiverse. Um, I don't know. It, it wasn't a bad movie. It, it was it was good. There were moments in it that I really, really liked. Um, you know, the cloak getting its patch. That was kind of interesting how they did that. Um, I don't know. But I don't know. I think I liked it, you know, more. More like more as Karen does, and yeah, I won't I won't grade it, but um, you know, I, hey, I love Sam Raimi, I love The Evil Dead. You know, people are always like, oh, these Marvel, these superhero movies are all alike, and they're all the same story, and the same. Well, this one wasn't. So I'll give you that. No, don't go <laughs> bitching about it. You want something different? You got something different. But I'll, I'll and I think that. you know one reason why it moves the way it does is that even though you have other things going on and, you know, Doctor Strange goes off into the different multiverses and things, you still have this overshadowing presence of Wanda through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Or I should say the Scarlet Witch through the whole thing. So she is like, you know, an ever-present threat throughout the movie. You know, with, with what they're doing, she could pop up in any multiverse at any time and do anything example the Illuminati you know, here's, yeah. this, here's this you know omnipotent council and she comes jumping in and off she goes off you know they're, they're gone by the end by the time she's done but uh, so you know let me ask you guys what did you think about the Illuminati and the I guess the lineup of who was there Walker you want to go first well that it was a lot of fun to see that, you know, on the, on the big screen, even though the lineup was, uh, you know, somewhat different from the comics. I mean, there was no Submariner. Um, well, I think they'd the other... sit there and go, who, why the hell do they have Spock in a bikini up there? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they could have had, uh, another version of Black Panther or, you know, there's, they could have, they could have done any number of people, but I, I did like pretty much, you know, who they picked. And I was quite surprised uh, by Black Bolt. Yeah. I hadn't heard any talk of Black Bolt. So that was really um, quite a hoot. Yeah. To, to well, I was, I was totally surprised by Reed Richards. I didn't, you know, I knew he was part of the Illuminati, yeah. but I didn't think, you know, when Christine basically says she's part of the Baxter Institute, I thought, Ooh, that that opens a door for something someday. Mm-hmm. Um, then yeah. there, Reed Richards pops up like ten minutes later. It's like right. I didn't expect that door to open that soon. When she said Baxter, I thought, "Oh, are we going to get Mister Fantastic?" Because so many people have been wanting that John Krasinski to, you know, be Mister Fantastic. And I thought, "Are they really going to do it? Are they going to have Mister Fantastic?" So that that was pretty interesting, but. I think the biggest one for me was having 
Professor X wheel out with that, you know, 90s X-Men music. From the and, cartoon. And that the cartoon. was from the cartoon as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was just, that was fantastic. Well, I, I tried to avoid, as we all do, all spoilers. And, you know, um, someone said on Twitter, I think, oh, my God, Patrick Stewart walked the, the red carpet. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> all right. Well, you know. Well, I mean, even avoiding spoilers, I mean, they had his voice in the trailer. Because yeah, I'll at least watch sense. trailers, and that gave that away. There was also another trailer where you see Captain Carter's shield. Yeah, well, I and it's like, okay, well, Captain Carter's going to be on there. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was interesting to me. I, I liked the lineup of the Illuminati, and it was different from the comic. And the Illuminati in the comic, it was the, the biggest brains uh, you know, or some of the smartest people in the in the comic universe. And didn't T'Challa walk away from it because he thought it was wrong? He right? Initially, was yeah, he walked away from it. They had also gone to Captain America at some point, and he was the same way. Like he was, gonna... yeah, yeah. But it was, um, it, it was a variation of characters that we've already seen in the MCU and the X Men except for Reed Richards. And I, that's when I just lost my mind. You know? <laughs> and, you know, of course, Jasmine's are like, who's that? Who's that? And I'm like, it's Mr. Fantastic with tears in my eyes, you know. Um, Black Bolt was great. I mean, I was just like, and he had the tuning fork. Too. I know. I was like, <laughs> and when he landed in front of uh, Wanda, he had the wings. Oh, I was it just was like. Perfect Jack Kirby version of Black Bolt. I, I was telling myself, don't pass out. Don't pass out. <laughs> well, you know, they were all they were all defeated fairly quickly. Oh my god. Except yes. for that the really good I really enjoyed the fight with uh Captain Carter and Captain Marvel against Scarlet Witch. Mm-hmm. I did I mean, too. That was exciting. And it really made me think, you know, I really want a Captain Carter movie. Hey, Bob, or I mean, a TV you show, seen whatever. What if? Yeah. If you haven't seen What If, oh, check I have, it yeah. out. What's that? I have, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm 100% on board for a Captain Carter movie. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Well, Haley Atwell's great. I mean, she she's, is. She's I enjoyed awesome. her TV show on, what did it was mm-hmm. like a season and a half, um, Agent Carter. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it, check it out. It, no, it's good. I've watched I think, it all. Yeah, I think Disney it has excellent. it. But, uh, yeah, when she came landing with that jetpack, oh, and she did the superhero landing, mm-hmm. and then uh, through the shield, it's like, all right, it's been a long time since I saw a shield fly like that. So this It, is it would have been awesome to have seen Steve Rogers' version of the Iron Giant, or yeah, not the Iron Giant, but... The Iron Giant, what? <laughs> Coming did I miss something? <laughs> well, Coming and it was... Last... Oh, sorry. It was a... Really cool to see. Um, it's Monica's mom. I forget her first name. Uh, uh, oh, uh, yeah, Carol's best friend, though. As, Mon- as Monica Marvel. Rambo, right? Yeah, Mo- but yeah. but it a lot like. But she looked a lot like her. The photon character, or the original Captain Marvel, had a white and black. Not the original, original, but the original. The original Monica female? Monica Rambeau, Captain uh, okay. Marvel. There's been so many people who have used that name now. Um, had a white and black outfit. So that was really cool. And she really, I mean, showed those powers off, you know. 
Maria. Uh, Maria, thank you. Maria Rambeau, yeah. I mean, you know, those the powers that, that she harnesses are pretty intense, and they did a, a really nice job with, with that fight. Yeah, I, I, I kind of wish that uh, Mr. Fantastic would have lasted a little longer. He just <laughs> turned into spaghetti. And that was it. Well, and to be fair, that's pretty much what happens in the books, too, most of the time. So, <laughs> <laughs> the, the worst thing, though, was Black Bolt. That, I, I, they, I was just completely aghast. I don't understand death. that too much. Yeah, I mean... Well, the, it had nowhere to go. I realized when I realized what? it was Anson well, Mount, I'm like, oh, Larry must be enjoying this one. Oh, I sure did. I was like, oh, my God. But I didn't remember that he played back Black Bolt in the yeah. TV. Yeah, and that terrible yep. inhuman series. Or it, was, it was sad. Awesome. But why didn't it blast out his where his mouth was? Why did it go through skull and, well, probably well, because it's a cooler effect. So Yeah. You know, you know uh, somebody somewhere, I forget where I saw it or read it, had said, wouldn't he make a great Reed Richards? Yeah, he would. Yeah. But, you know, I always thought, uh, what's his name from Mad Men would have made a great Captain America. Uh, Draper, the guy that played Don Draper. You know, he he had the jaw for it, but I'd never be able to see him as like a morally upright John Hamm. The, the kid that played Johnny Storm in the Fantastic Four <laughs> movies, you saw that? I mean, if he I know, could do it, I know. You know, if, if he could do it, frankly, Howard the Duck could be Captain America. I mean, but but I, hey, I that's, that's Chris Evans, like, ticket back into the Marvel Universe if he misses it. Yeah, well, they, um, we'll see. We'll see. There was a lot of rumor about, um, um, Tom Cruise, and that was one of the yeah. reasons I'm like, I'm out. I'm not listening to any more of this, like, speculation. Well, he was supposed to, he was considered for the original Iron Man role, right? Mm-hmm. Before Robert Downey Jr.? Yeah, he'd been he'd been courting the Iron Man role for years, trying to get something going with that. Oh, I heard rumors, like, throughout the years, there was rumors he was going to be Spider-Man. There was rumors of Iron Man. There's even rumors of Speed Racer, huh. and uh, yeah, nothing. He got to star in Mission Impossible movies, but <laughs> and run really I fast. Thought it was cool that we had the Ultron robots uh, working for the Illuminati. Yeah, that was interesting. So yeah. one has to ask, where was Ultron? Well. Maybe this Ultron actually worked correctly. Maybe. Didn't have a, you know, narcissistic personality as the base of it, you know, its template. I, 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 another and thing. That's why there was no vision in 838. Well, yeah. Maybe well, that, that rebuilt would, that, Ultron. Yeah. yeah. But uh, that would also have made it more interesting to have Tony Stark in the Illuminati. Because oh, yeah. he would be like controlling these Ultron robots and that, mm-hmm. like showing that, okay, you know, I did it right in this universe. Yeah. You know, I was thinking Nicolas Cage was petitioning to be a lot of superheroes at one point in time. Well, he was Ghost Rider. <laughs> he was a Ghost Rider. He was, he was supposedly going to be Superman, too. I saw that documentary. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Thank uh, God that didn't happen. Yeah. Long, stringy hair. 
Oh my God. Kevin was... Smith does this great bit oh, on, sick. you know, them asking him to write the movie. Like, okay, he's not going to have a cape. What? <laughs> he's not going to fly. He, oh, get the hell out of here. He's not going to fly either? No, no, he's not. Well, and they wanted him to write about giant robotic spiders. Giant robotic spiders. <laughs> Which wound up in that Wild West Wild movie. Wild West. <laughs> God. But anyway, um, yeah, the, the the third act of the oh, actually, there was this great, great scene with with Xavier, and it reminded me of the Phoenix mm-hmm. saga, you know. And I, I halfway thought he said, "Gene, Gene, <laughs> are you in there? I mean, Wanda." Uh, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that was that was really cool when he went into her mind, and it was so comic booky. And that was one of the things I really liked about this movie. And I think Raimi, you know, he showed it in the Spider-Man films too. Is he's not afraid to lean into the comic books, and you know, Doctor Strange grabs his head and he points at Wanda, and he uses his, you know, telepathy to go into her mind and and kind of I attack. Think a lot her. of that was Feige too, because. My understanding is they're really trying to embrace this whole multiverse concept. And at one point, as um, as uh, America and and uh, Doctor Strange are going through the universes, it's like, were we animated? You know, uh, back there. Yeah, I think they went through two cartoon universes. They were cartoons. They were paint. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Like the the Dolly. Uh, yeah. uh, were they clay so- at one point? Who knows? Uh, I I mean, everything went by so quick. There were dinosaurs in one of them. They were like they were on like a circuit board. It was almost like Tron in one of them. (laughs) So uh, you know, it is a multiverse, right? So, so I I, I liked uh, Patrick Stewart a lot more in this than I did Picard. (laughs) (laughs) I I will say Walker. Well, you didn't have to walk around and stuff. Well, and you didn't have to in Picard season two either. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> um, it it was it was great hearing that that Walker enjoyed a, a film because usually she's like, well, once again, I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, come on, I you know, I, for the most part, I enjoy the Marvel films. I may have a a nit to pick here and there, but the Marvel movies usually do pretty good with me. Okay. Well, it might have maybe it cleansed your Star Trek palette a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm I'm liking Strange New Worlds so far, so we'll see. That is true. That is true. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, if if you don't follow Walker on Twitter, you need to because show you know, well, <laughs> I watch this shit burger. I'll never get this hour back in my life. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> no, I did like this. I you know one thing I thought was interesting about Doctor Strange, and I have to go back and watch some of his other appearances, but. A lot of the times in this, his use of his powers reminded me a lot of Green Lantern because he would like manifest like hands and, and oh, yeah, you right. know, shapes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like he, to kill the big eyeball monster, he made these hands and he grabbed a post and whacked at it. And then he did some other stuff where he like manifested different objects and things with his power. And I thought, yeah, the, wow, yeah, the big like... chainsaw or the big, uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Saw blade. There was a lot of very green lanternish type activity. But he also, uh, he, he also used before. a lot of his fighting skills as well, which he hadn't well, done since the first movie. 
That's true, especially when he was down in that pit with Mordo. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, I, I, what I liked about this film also is that there was humor in it, but it it wasn't – it was at appropriate moments and it wasn't over the top, you know. It didn't feel like they were forcing it. True. I think, uh, yeah, I like I like Raimi's sense of humor, um, even in the even in the Spider-Man films. I love those films. Um, and you can really tell in that third one, he is not a child of the 80s comic book. And, and you know, them forcing Venom in that in that third yeah. film, you know, it was kind of it would have been so much better if they just let him use Sandman because you could tell the Sandman story was good. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, they had to push that whole Venom thing in there, and it was a very half-assed Venom. But then you had the so, whole Green Goblin thing, too. Oh, the, so, yeah. Sort of, kind yeah, of. Yeah, the son of the, the yeah. Hobgoblin version, yeah, version of the... But too much, too much. I... I I'm a Raimi fan. I, I enjoy the the Evil Dead series, and so I, I wasn't really bothered with with all the the wickedness and Wanda coming out of the mirror like the the girl from the Ring is what that reminded me of. Mm-hmm. Um, There's some genuine creepy moments oh, in yeah. the film, like when they're in that tunnel trying to get to the door. And she's kind of staggering after them, and her eyes are red, and she's she's really creepy because at that point her body is really jacked up. And then the door closes, and they're like, "Where is she? Where is she?" And she kind of, there's that jump sideways, yeah. Yeah, there's some really scary stuff. I mean, it's not hardcore scary, but there's some nice little scares thrown in here and there. And the, and the whole, I think the whole zombie Doctor Strange is pretty cool. Oh, that was fantastic. They had to inhabit his dead body and come back to uh, to appear in that universe. Yeah. That, that was definitely cool. I, and I, I got to say, I, I really had, before I forget to say it, the second post-credit scene has got to be my favorite of all the Marvel movies. <laughs> Uh, you must be a big fan of uh, Bruce Campbell there, Chief. I was going to say, oh, I love Bruce Papa. Campbell. What are you talking about? <laughs> but, I mean, you know, he, he, had, he had probably been slapping himself for what? For days? Uh, weeks? Three weeks. Yeah, because uh, yeah, he said it would last for two weeks or something. Yep. Yeah. And he's sitting there slapping himself and stops and it's over. And it was over. I, I yeah, think- it was great. I loved it. The the only end scene that probably could have capped that for for Bob is if Ultraman showed up. <laughs> it's another multiverse. <laughs> another you know, multiverse. Don't get, realized, me, don't get me started. <laughs> when I, I they watched do, they were doing ultra, they were doing multiverses back in the nineties with Ultraman Gaia and Dinah and Tiga and all that. The, yeah. the thing I really miss though is. The Stan Lee cameos, we don't get those anymore. You know, I read something today. I was going to say. That they what? signed a deal to do CG no. Stan Lee appearances 
in future Marvel movies. That is so wrong. Well, I don't, I don't know if they're going to put him in the movies. I mean, so one, one would assume, but they, they have license to his likeness. And whether it's going to be a cartoon or a CGI version or oh, I, I don't know, but they have him for 20 years. And I thought, oh, boy. Jesus Christ. Oh, boy. I'm no, they sorry. don't have that his just, likeness that, yet. That, but that just bothers me. I, I, they don't have Jesus' likeness, but I hear they're in talks with the Vatican. So, yeah. you know, one never knows. Well, what don't, don't they have that cloth with an ima- image of his face on it or something? Oh, I'm sure it's something. I always, saw, I always thought they could take something and clone him through that. It'll it'll uh, be like THX 1138 and you'll go in the booth and there'll be the hologram well, that would, of Jesus. That would be like the yes. second coming, right? When Christ yes, is supposed to come be. back and that's the end of the world and all that. Uh, yeah, it'll be his clone. Uh, that's how he'll come back. There is no sanctuary. sanctuary. <laughs> Seafood, fish, plankton from the sea. You know, um, I've never been to the Scum and Villainy Cantina, but I, I watch their uh, their just like mm-hmm. trivia and, and podcasts and stuff. There was a guy that would go to the shows all the time, and and you know the owner would come up with this obscure star wars trivia and this guy would like you know be in the top 3 every time they had these contests the guy unfortunately passed away at a, a young age and uh, the owner was saying to honor his memory they talked to the family and they're going to do a carbonite version of him and hang him up <laughs> in the bar and i was like well, okay, in a way that's kind of cool, but in a way that's kind of creepy. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I, when, I, when I went to uh, ILM, I took the uh, tour, and they had the actual Han Solo and Carbonite prop up on the wall, and it's like in a lobby area, like second floor lobby, I think, or third floor lobby. And then on the other side, they have a Carbonite of Jar Jar Binks <laughs> sitting there. That's funny. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they could do carbonite of anyone. I've got a small yeah. carbonite version of a tiki guy in, in the kitchen. Interesting. A carbonite tiki. I, uh, I, I will uh, affirmatively say, please do not have a carbonite version of me when my time comes anywhere. Uh, oh, darn it. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I have a space um, all picked out too, Mary. <laughs> just just waiting. Well, maybe we can set something up when we have the uh, Planet Eight uh, Museum of Modern History, and all three of us can be up there. Uh, Carbonite. <laughs> I, I, I will say one thing about this film that stood out to me: mm-hmm. soundtrack. Yeah, really, Michael Giacchino, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Danny Elfman, I think. It was Danny Elfman, and they used some of Michael's uh, stuff from before. From before, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was Danny Elfman. There were certain moments in the film where I, I was like, oh, I really like this music. Um, especially the segment where Wanda was trying to dreamwalk into other Wanda. She's mm-hmm. like floating, and the stuff's, you know, uh, the little hexes and stuff are flowing around her and you know they're showing her eyes and all this other stuff just some really um kind of creepy like the magical music yeah and uh some other music 
in other parts of the film, but I was like, oh, yeah, this isn't the usual, like, completely unmemorable Marvel soundtrack. I was talking with my niece, Kayla. She'd seen the movie Thursday night, and she texted me, did you see it? Let's talk. And I'm like, you got to pull my geek card. I'm not going to see it till Saturday uh, matinee. <laughs> but the the music battle that they had with the musical. Oh, that was really cool. Yeah. It was cool, but it was so out of left field. And she's like, is there a comic reference to that? And I'm like, none that I'm aware of. They just pulled that out of their hat uh, and, and threw it up on the screen. I don't know. I liked it. I thought it was unusual, but I thought they're sorcerers. They're going to do strange things like that. You know? it, it, I, I didn't have a problem with it. I just thought it was an interesting choice. I mean, what is that? The sorcerer and the stone when they're having a battle, Merlin and the witch, and they're turning each other into like grasshoppers and pigs and, and going back and forth. It, it, it kind of reminded me of that. It was very abstract, an, an abstract battle to have and and as it escalated the the music dun, 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 or you know, whatever mm-hmm. the song was uh, it, it was interesting it, it's memorable for me um abracadabra hold I mean, us polkas yeah, right. that's another it good wasn't one. just blasts back and forth you know right right musical notes yeah i liked that a lot um and and yeah the zombie thing i i uh, really loved the visual of that once he had all the spirits behind him and the arms spread out, and he used them like a cloak to fly over to Wondagore Mountain. And uh, and Wondagore is another nice nod to the comics. Um, you know, in, in the comics, originally Wondagore was referenced as the hideout of the High Evolutionary. That's where he was com- making right. his his beast men and everything. But then later on, it tied into Wanda and uh, Quicksilver's origin because there was this whole story about, well, the, their mother, when she was pregnant, came to Wondegore Mountain and she, they, she gave birth on the mountain and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So um, they kind of tied that all in, um, although they, they made it just this mystical hideout, essentially. But it was nice to see another piece of comic lore put into the film. Yeah, I agree. That was cool. Not a lot of people will know the high evolutionary. I, I'm hoping he'll make it into a movie someday, but I'm hoping he won't be completely goofy. They were talking about putting him into a Guardians film. So uh, they, they'll probably make him incredibly silly. Well, I remember we were talking, Walker, about the end of uh, Wanda. And when they were going over the, the water, you were thinking that might be the High Evolutionary's mountain. Yeah, I was hoping. Um, I was thinking it was going to be um, Magneto's cabin from the X-Men oh. film. And they'd uh, – oh, and that was the other thing that, like, really excited me is that in WandaVision, they established that her brother wasn't really her brother. It was, like, Dick Nibbler or whatever the guy's name was. <laughs> Uh, I, I like Dick Nimble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so maybe oh, one of Larry. the universes he's out there, but <laughs> that version of Quicksilver is my favorite. And who knows? Maybe he'll show up in the the MCU. Oh. I, I will go to YouTube and just watch his speed scenes 
Um, oh yeah, those are so good. Oh man, those are a lot of fun. Um, one of them is um, "Sweet Dreams Are Made of These" by uh, Annie Lennox. But it's uh, where he pulls everybody out of the mansion. Out of the mansion. That yeah. Is, yeah, that's terrific. And uh, the the first movie though, where he's in that kitchen, that's fantastic too. Um, anyway, I I digress, but I'm. Oh, I'm we do a lot of digressing on this show. Hoping Mr. Nibbler shows up in in a future uh, Marvel film and or X Men movie. Um, you know, I had a note here about Shandu the Magician. I I uh, Hello, I Lugosi. watched. Mr. Lugosi. It was a radio show, and I was watching the 1978 Doctor Strange made-for-TV movie with Peter Hooten. (laughs) Um, And uh, anyway, there was commentary. These two guys were going back and forth, and I'd never heard Shandu the Magician. There was a movie. Mr. Lugosi was in that movie, Uh, but he was also in the radio program, and he had petitioned to be the hero in the movie um, that was based off of the radio. Anyway, it's on YouTube. If you guys Google Shandu the magician um, and Stan Lee would always talk about, you know, the announcer saying, and now we're going to the adventures of Shandu the magician. And there was this like eerie gong that would show up. And that was his idea to create this Dr. Strange character with Steve Ditko um, later on. So fun fact of the night. Is is nothing original, I ask you. Not really. It's all in how you present it. There you go. Well, and those those early Doctor Strange really benefited from Steve Ditko's art. It was so abstract and bizarre and just suited that magazine so well. It did. I mean, you know, before there was talk of like the multiverse and all, he was taking us into all these different like realms and, mm-hmm. you know, planets with tentacles and, and all, you know, and, and a lot of that influence made it into the first film when the, the ancient one was throwing him, you know, out oh, yeah. of his body and, you know, <clears throat> but yeah, we owe a lot to Steve Ditko on this, well, many different comics. Um, you know, before we get into uh, the end of the program, I did want to ask, have you guys seen the Michelle Yao, uh, speaking of multiverses, Everything Everywhere All at Once, I believe is the name of the movie? Not as not. of yet. Um, okay. I have to watch Doctor Strange a second time before I put in my final uh, uh, grade on it or, or my final thoughts. But I liked her version of the multiverse better than Doctor Strange's. I've been hearing a lot about it. Uh, different, you know, she's not a superhero by any stretch of the imagination. She owns a laundromat with her husband. Um, but it was a great, it's three hours long. So plan your potty breaks appropriately. Uh, but it, it was, uh, an amazing movie and, uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. So at some point we'll, we'll uh, the three of us will get together and talk about it. Um, furthermore, speaking about multiverses, any other thoughts about, Doctor Strange or uh, Loki or what if or WandaVision or anything else that we uh... no? Okay. no I mean I would just say you know if, if people are out there and they're hesitant because they think the movie is too horrific or they haven't seen a lot of Marvel films or whatever just go see it 
and enjoy it. It, it, stand, it stands on its own. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's, it's, it's like an enhancement if you've seen others, but you'll still enjoy it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it got a PG-13 rating, and, and that kind of surprised me with the zombie stuff at the end. But, hey, I'm, I'm not part of the uh, MPA or, or whatever uh, group. Uh, well, someone, someone asked me about the horror elements, and I said, no, you know, that's – it's Sam Raimi horror. It's not, it's not gory. It's not, you know, gross or anything. It's, it's almost comedic horror, really. Well, they know, it, has, it has some good horror elements, but yeah, it's a little lighter than, you know. Well, not to put us down, but I think our take on horror, we have a lot more, uh, what's the word? <laughs> Cajones? <laughs> yeah, we, you know takes a lot to get us to kind of cringe at a horror movie. I think like this... asking, uh, asking Will, is that too salacious? That's the wrong person to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I think these kids see a lot worse on most of the video games they play nowadays anyway. Yeah, that's probably true. So and now I feel really old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so somebody on, on Facebook asked, what was the scariest video game you ever played? And, you know, I don't play video games. So I responded, Pong. <laughs> when that little square comes at you, oh, my God. So uh, I, I love how Bob was like, I don't play video games. <laughs> what the heck's wrong with you, kid? <laughs> they are played incessantly in my house, just not by me. <laughs> I... Uh... Yeah, I, I don't play many games uh, either, but that's just because my hand-eye coordination sucks. <laughs> so, um, anyway, on the topic of multiverse, uh, we unfortunately lost another great uh, in the comic world, Mr. George Perez. Um, his Crisis on Infinite Earths is a work of art, in, in my opinion. He's done a lot more. Uh, um, beautiful, beautiful uh, work out there. I'm turn it over to to Karen to uh, share a few words uh, about Mr. Perez. Karen, yeah, this is you know we lost Neil Adams, mm -hmm. and then early this month we lost George Perez. We kind of knew this was coming, um, but still hits really hard, especially for those of us uh, who were comics fans in the, the 70s and 80s like you said i mean you know his art was so amazing in a lot of ways i see him as a successor to neil adams yeah um, you know he the work he did on crisis on infinite earths and of course uh new teen titans um the the rebirth of wonder woman uh right. you know just an amazing um amazing body of work for me though i mean it all started with the stuff he did for marvel in the 70s so um everything from avengers and fantastic four to doing stuff like man wolf <laughs> um That's right. you know he, he was everywhere he was a guy who was very versatile and and especially good at team books which you know, not everybody could compose a scene with multiple characters in it, but he was especially good at that. And so he got a lot of team books over the years. 
um, just a, an incredibly talented artist and a, a really nice man. I know I only met him once at one convention uh, many years ago where he uh, autographed a, a Wonder Woman poster, but super friendly. And I have never heard a negative word about him. All I've ever heard is that he was always friendly and cordial and just a super guy. So, um, yeah, it's just very sad that, uh, you know, another um, legend of the, the comics world has left us. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I always loved his work on the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially the way you drew Iron Man was mm-hmm. always really cool. Yeah, I never had an opportunity to uh, meet him at a convention, uh, but I've I've heard nothing but good stories and and uh, you know a very touching um, way that he left this you know Earth. Uh, he left on his own terms. Yeah, he had terminal cancer and he he called it and says i'm i'm not going to get any more treatment i'm not going to you know deal with that and he was able to live whatever time he had um you know i I think it was the the bullpen at uh dc and and uh jim lee was arranged a thing where he could go around and just meet and greet all the talent that's over there and uh, it was not announced there was no News crew, no pop and circumstance, just you know him, uh, him taking a look around, and uh, you know he was surrounded by friends and family, and um, he uh, he will be missed. He will be missed. This is true. So, um, look, we're gonna we're gonna move forward. We uh, we have uh, our sensor sweep now, and yours truly has this sensor sweep. In, in keeping with the Doctor Strange motif, I have here a copy of the Book of the Vishanti. And Ooh. much like the Darkhold, there are many copies of this throughout the multiverse. <laughs> and for $29.99, you can get yours on this thing called Amazon. <laughs> so Larry's going to do a couple magic tricks for us now. <laughs> hey, Nothing up my sleeve. Yeah. This is a cool fun book. Um, I'm going to read you the back page. The Book of Vishanti, the greatest source of magical knowledge in our dimension. The Book of the Vishanti is the ultimate collection of spells, history, and personal accounts recorded by practitioners over centuries, including notes from Dr. Strange himself, featuring detailed inscriptions, mind-bending illustrations, and everything you need to know about the heroes, villains, artifacts, creatures, and worlds that make up the mystical and supernatural side of the multiverse. This book is a must-have for all Marvel fans. Now, I got this book probably about five or six months ago, and you notice, kids, they mentioned multiverse. So Marvel and Feige have a plan for like the next (laughs) thousand years. Um, Anyway, (laughs) there's stuff in here about... Obviously, Doctor Strange, the Source of Supreme, uh, Dormammu. Um, they do have some spells in here. Uh, there's a mention of Clea, which we didn't mention, actually, in the uh, oh, yeah. credit scene. Yeah, um, mid-credits. Caldor's Reversal Spell. So let me go ahead and uh, do that incantation. We can cover Clea's uh, part in the film. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, th- this is a really cool, if you're Doctor Strange, 
fan like I am, um, it really is. It, it jumps between, um, you know, uh, explain, explaining uh, players in the comic book, uh, characters in the comic book, and then it gets into spell. It gets into the eye of Agamotto and and the background behind all of that. Um, before we close out, though, I want to ask you guys, what did you think of the third eye? And Clea saying, hey, I, I have an adventure. I want you to come with me. And that was the dark dimension. You know, they opened up. Uh-huh. What would you think? Oh, it's leading up to some interesting adventures, I'm sure. Yeah. So, you know, not being the comic book aficionado that you guys are, I didn't know who that was at first. I had to go look it up. Well, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know who she is in the MCU, but that's the, the goddaughter, not the goddaughter, the niece. She's the niece of Dormammu. The niece of Dormammu. So, so now that uh, Christine is out of the way, it clears the path because – in the comics, Clea and Doctor Strange had right. a relationship, so it kind of clears the path. The thing that surprises me, so it was Charlize Theron, mm-hmm. who I've been hoping they would get into the MCU, but I was kind of hoping they would get her into a more physical role, like a more of a martial artist kind of role, because Clea in the, the comics, at least in the past, was always much more a stand back and shoot spells off she seems like an enchantress character to yeah, me. Yeah, she know? didn't get into any fisticuffs. So. Well, it's a multiverse walker, so you never know. She'll come to another movie being some other character. We'll, I mean, we'll see what happens. But no, it was exciting. I, I'm a little disturbed that Steven has that third eye, though. Right. Um, so and he, he kind of like was okay with it. Like, okay, let me yeah. fly. Let's go. He, like, he, you have to wonder how okay. corrupted he might be. Yeah, yeah. Just more power for him to wield. Oh, I don't know. This may not bode well. Um, With great power comes. Hey, Mordo's going to come collecting because he said at the end of the first one, there's always a price to pay, Stephen. I don't know. Yeah. That... Will he be in the third film? Will he? Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um... When next we talk, it'll be our 100th episode. Oh, my God. And are you guys going to be surprised what all we're going to do for our 100th episode? That's all <laughs> and I'm so are we. With. And we're going to be surprised, too. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Um, anyway, you guys stay safe. Thank you for listening. Peace out. On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planet8podcast.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet8Cast or on Facebook at facebook.com slash planet eight podcast we want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode we look forward to your input and opinions until next time this is planet eight signing off end transmission by george he's got it it is the end